I don't know about you, but I want to please my Savior and live in obedience to Him. A key reason that Christians fail to live in obedience to Christ is that they fail to understand the reason behind His commands to them. When we understand the nature of the command and the need for it, we get a hold of the power to obey and to obey quickly. Welcome everyone, this is the Bread of Life. I'm Joe Van Hoogen. I'm the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, and I am the Executive Director of the International Outreach and Disciple-Making Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. And these two ministries are the sponsor of our program. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Listen now as I give you three foundational commands that reveal to us the nature behind every command and the secret for living in obedience to them. Colossians 2.6 As you have received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk you in him. James 1.21 Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. And John 15.4 Jesus' command that we abide in him. Now, there we have three commands. Live in the same way in which you receive Christ. Receive repentantly and humbly and meekly Jesus Christ, whom you already have received and had implanted in your life. Remain in the one who remains in you by faith. Those are the three commands. And as I said before, I think these commands are the commands that are the best starting point for picking up any other command in the Christian life and carrying it out. But in order to really apply these commands, we have to understand their true nature, and their true necessity. And so let me share with you now the true nature, at least, of these commands. At least we'll look at it for a little bit. This is worthy of lengthy and significant meditation on your part, so remember these verses. But at least now let's consider a little bit the true nature of this command. You were made for God. You were made for Him. You were made to be filled by Him, and by Him to realize in communion with Him a fruitfulness and an abundance that could be known in no other way. You were made to grow in your vital connection to Him. To grow in that connection, you were made to grow down into a firm and unshakable life. And you were made to grow out in an expansive and boundless life. And you were meant to grow up in an abundant and grateful and joyful life. In fact, you were made for this life in connection with God and the product of such abundance that the fruit of that abundance above everything else would be the fruit of joy. And so in verse 11 of John 15, the Lord Jesus capstones this idea of abiding in him like the vine by saying, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full or effusive or abundant. God has made us for joy, but it's a joy that is realized when he fills what is empty or humble before him with himself. The first sin, and every sin that was committed and has been committed after that, is an attempt to be independent from God. It's an attempt to replace God with self. The false promise of every sin and behind every sin is that it will fulfill you, that it will satisfy you in some way by your own deciding it will complete you. But it does just the opposite. It drains you, it disappoints you, it depletes you. In the long run, it tears you apart and disassembles you. You were made to be full, not with yourself, but with God. To be filled with yourself is to be filled with a puddle of worthlessness. 
To be filled with God is to be filled with the unbounded, infinite life that never tires and always satisfies. However, God only fills that which is completely empty before him. God only fills that which is completely empty before him. Before Adam and Eve sinned, they were full of the life of God. Their very being shone out with the presence of God within them. I think the reason they didn't know that they were naked was that they were shining in this moral perfection with the presence of God filling and flooding from them and shining out from them. And they glowed with the light of his presence. And when they sinned, the light went out. God left that place. In the place of God's presence and God's life pouring into them, they were filled with selfishness and sin and death. When Jesus came to earth, he came on a mission, and the first thing he came to do was to empty us. He came to empty out from us and drain out from us all of self and sin and to have it all drawn out upon him. He came to empty us in order that we might empty, be once again filled with the fullness of God, filled with his own life. Again, James says, Therefore lay aside, close out, following this idea, this pattern that Christ has established in his purpose. Lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive instead with meekness, emptiness, the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Essentially it's the same command as Colossians 2.6. Therefore as you receive Jesus Christ your Lord, so walk ye in him. And these two verses reveal to us how it is that we obey John 15.4. Abide in me and I in you. God is asking us to live an empty life a life that's drained out and empty before him in order that he might fill us and he might live within us. He's telling us what real eternal life is. It is a state of constantly receiving into our empty vessels the fullness of him who has and would give himself to us always and forever. The true nature of these commands is a call to live as we were purposed and created to live empty of self and full to overflowing with God in joyful and fruitful abundance. That's what God wants. That's the nature of the command. Frederick Faber wrote, With gentleness, lead me on, dear God, to see thy face. And meanwhile, in my narrow heart, oh, make thyself more space. Fill me and flow within me. Let me talk to you a moment about the absolute necessity of this command. God, again, will not feel, fill what is already full. How did you receive Jesus Christ by faith as your Savior? Well, you repented of your sins. You forsook them and turned away from them. And you turned away from your self-seeking life. And more than this, you came to him with nothing in the bargain. You were empty of offering him anything but the shell of who you were. You didn't commend to God your past. God, here's my wonderful stellar past. You didn't commend to him your stellar present. Here are all the things that I'm doing. You didn't go to God and say, God, here's the potential future that's before me that you can have. That's not what you did. You came to him as nothing with nothing. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. That's how you came. And in that moment of complete emptying that God had brought you to, you experienced his purpose designed for your life and for a happy human life. In that moment when you're completely abandoned and empty of all your sins and all the things that you were pursuing and abandoned and empty of all your professed righteousness so that you came before him as nothing but a shell. In that moment, God filled you with his life. God made you to be empty before him. He emptied us in this way so that he might 
come and fill us with himself. He actually did for us what he had done for the first man when he made him. The Bible says that when he made Adam, he made him out of the dust of the ground. And you know what else you make out of the dust of the ground? Clay pots, vessels. He made Adam just this empty clay pot. And then after he made him, he breathed the breath of life into him. He breathed himself into him. And so we're made in that way. God made you an empty clay pot, but you were made empty so that you might be made full of himself, of this holy, good self. And when God brought us to salvation, the first work he did for us is to move within us a complete repentance, a complete spirit of utter self-abandonment and yieldedness and emptiness before him. The first great work that the Lord Jesus did in your life was to empty you so that he could fill you. And once you were empty through confession and repentance and complete yielding up of your life to him, Jesus came into you through the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And that was eternal life. You received him into yourself. On the cross, you think about it, the Lord Jesus bought you to possess you. Having bought you to possess you, he emptied you. And then having emptied you, he cleansed you out of all the defilement of your sin. And then he poured himself into you as his precious vessel and possession, so that we have this treasure, Paul says, in earthen vessels, that the glory and the majesty may be of Christ. You were redeemed by Jesus to be emptied, and then to be filled afresh with God himself. And that's what happened. Now, to live the Christian life, you're going to have to be living that reality over and over and over again. Emptied to be filled, emptied to be filled, emptied to be filled. It's God's grand, wonderful design. It's what God does in saving us. What is your part in this? What is our part in this? Well, we come before every decision in our life, before every temptation, with a trained attitude to let go of anything that is of self and sin. We are to confess it, repent of it, turn from it, empty ourselves down to complete meekness and humility and utter nothingness. And then for that decision and for that choice and for that moment before us, we take up the life and fullness of Jesus, of God poured out for and into us, so that we may live every day of our lives receiving with meekness, receiving the word that was already planted in us, and us planted within him. Now, that may sound strange and mysterious, because it has no correlation to the way in which the natural man lives we live our lives grasping and clawing after truth and after possessions and after accomplishments and things. We live our lives drawn down to a constant battle to achieve or a constant movement to satisfy ourselves. Our calculations in our minds are what has been done to us and what we would do to others and how we equal things out and we create the balance for ourselves. There really are very few analogies in life to explain and to communicate this wonderful truth. The Lord Jesus himself is left to give us agricultural allegories or expressions or allusions to this truth. We're like a seed that has to fall in the ground and die or else we'll remain alone. But if we'll die, then we'll rise up and bear fruit. We're like a branch that's planted into a vine and we receive all of our life through the sap of his being and his existence. And unless we do that, we're nothing. But what we can do and what Paul realized and what James realized is there's a place we can go to understand what this life, this Christian life is like. We can go back to the moment in which we receive this Christian life. 
and we can see what God was doing and what God worked in us at that moment and say, this is how I'm to live from henceforth. And that moment, I confessed my nothingness, only my sin. I gave nothing to God, commending myself to Him, but pled only for mercy. And I offered myself up to Him to completely and utter self-abandonment. And then at that moment, He filled me with His life, this joyful, eternal life. And I was changed. And Paul says, and James say, now set your mark from there. Now plan the rhythm of your life from that event and live it over and over and over again. This is the precedent that was set at the beginning for how you're to live. You could say something like this, wait a second, I received Jesus once, that's all I have to do, right? Well, you believed him at the moment too, didn't you, for salvation? Having believed in Jesus, have you stopped believing in him? Well, I did that once. No, you believe and you keep believing. And receiving, believing is receiving. So if you believe in him, you're constantly turning to receive of him all of his life and fullness. You can say, well, I, I repented of my sin once. I don't have to repent again. I came to realize I was nothing before him once. Now I can just go on and plow forward ahead and do my thing and follow the rules and learn how to live a good life. And Well, if you've gone very long from the moment of your confession of faith in Jesus Christ, you've discovered that sin hasn't gone away. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.